thanks for joining. And let me just say, Aaron, uh, happy Yuletide. Thank you. You too. Thank you. And to any listening, <laughs> um, you are. I, I I I can't keep track of you. You, you globe trotter. Are you in? Oh, yeah. You're in Arizona, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, we moved back down to Arizona. That's where my husband grew up and lived, and where we lived uh, right after we got married. Uh, we had a stint in Washington State for mm-hmm. about a year. Um, I came back to Arizona with a little baby. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, so went from rainy to very sunny. Yeah, never rainy. <laughs> we like the polar opposites. Yeah, living in ex- in worlds of extremes, right? Yes. And you you grew up in California, so it's not like you're going to be pining for a white Christmas anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm used to Christmas for me was uh, Santa Ana winds. So living huh. in Southern California, boys, it was always like dust stormy, windy on Thanksgiving and Christmas, hmm. and we'd have this. We had this huge avocado tree that um, nobody had trimmed in its lifetime, so it was giant. And mm. so the winds would come, these hot, sandy, icky winds would come, and then all these avocados would just be falling from the oh, sky. Oh, no, that sounds <laughs> you'd dangerous. Have watch, you'd have to watch out. <laughs> but then we'd have, we'd have wheelbarrows full of avocados. Oh, that sounds and, like heaven. And I'm so... <laughs> I wish I could go back in time, because at the time, when I was younger... I didn't know any better, and I wasn't a fan of avocados. I, I, I wasn't now. either when I was a kid. I also was ignorant. Yeah. yeah it's like Nobody ever put it on toast. Buttery thing. Yeah, yeah. You have to think about it as butter, and it's a lot better. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So, if if only. And it, we were living in, and this it was like a farmhouse that we rented, and it was in the middle of a lemon orchard. And, again, wow. we go back in time and just, like make all this amazing food <laughs> right just like reach out your window and pluck some fresh exactly. produce exactly exactly so, yeah i got uh it was funny when the first the first time we moved to utah i was about 12 and um and things had seasons <laughs> was, you know seasonal why is outside food changing was, yeah and then food was seasonal and then we yeah. go and it was just like the funniest thing and like oh that's and we're like, wait, what? Avocados don't just fall from the sky at Christmas? <laughs> so, you know. I bought it here two months ago. What do you mean they're all gone? Yeah. <laughs> Man. So so avocado trees, I guess, when I was imagining a giant avocado tree, I was thinking that like maybe it was like many, many sort of fruit producing trees that like if you let them grow too much, then they stop producing fruit. Sounds like that's not the case, huh? Yeah. No, this thing was huge. I'm trying to remember if it was like a, it was like bacon or hoss. I think it was a hoss. It was like a couple different kinds. Um, yeah, I try to think how how tall it was. It was taller than our house, and it was a we had an old two story Victorian. It was like 120 years old, wow. um, old farmhouse. So yeah, kind of a beautiful setting. You had a cool mind. childhood, Aaron. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. So so with Arizona being the place now, I mean, like I'm just so like this being this tis the season after all you know so like i think sort of like the popular image for christmasy time right is like snow falling and stuff like that but that's not your experience yeah. as a child certainly and certainly not your yeah. experience now either um yeah. and any any i mean aside from dodging avocados any unique or cool uh christmasy <laughs> traditions that you uh carried on from your childhood that you have now you've got a little kid anything you're doing like that yeah. you know yeah, so she, yeah, she's had her first Christmas, but she was a month old, so she didn't really, mm. <laughs> you know, it was kind of... <laughs> Just snuck in there. Yeah, she didn't really have any reaction. So now I'm excited because she's she's a lot more, you know, uh, she's going to be one um, in actually a couple weeks or so. So um, I'm really excited because this is going to be a fun one. Yeah. So, um, but let's see. I think we'd have... Um, Every Christmas Eve, right before we went to bed, we'd open one present, and of course, it was pajamas. And so ah, yes, always, classic. Yeah, that was our like socks or pajamas kind of thing. Um, and then, and then Christmas morning. <laughs> um, so growing up, my dad would always make breakfast. He's like the breakfast guy. That's what he cooked. And did, was like, there was it like of... you can't open presents until after breakfast, or was it like go crazy on the presents and then go okay. have breakfast? So it was the presents first. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Go crazy on the presents and then eat. But I kind of <laughs> it was years and years. It was like probably my last years at home um, uh, before 
um, getting married and everything that mm-hmm. where that I was like you know what can we can we change something? can we have breakfast first <laughs> you start I'm getting like more <laughs> yeah and then we're just like we're just like rummaging through our 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 sock you know our stocking right and trying to find breakfast there with, with chocolate <laughs> yeah <laughs> by the time breakfast comes kind of you're kind of full and kind of sick. Yeah, the day is kind of a bust at that point. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm just starving. And so we did it once, and everyone's like, oh, that was so good. Why didn't we do this before? This is better. <laughs> like, this is so much like, better. You know, as, a, as a kid, I can see, like, who cares about breakfast? I yeah. want my toys. Well, and, and aside like, from that, oh. stocking breakfast, yeah, that's yeah. the best. <laughs> we have an orange in there. That would be Okay, nod to health, okay. But the rest would be just chocolate. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, and how many of you, like, actually took the trouble to peel and eat an orange, right? That got saved yeah. for, that was, like, weeks later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. That's, uh, that's, that's awesome. I, I, was, it, was it, like, a crack of dawn kind of thing when you were a kid? Like, was there a um, limit to how early you could get your parents up? Well, we would, we would have to get dressed, make our bed. Um, so it wouldn't be the the pajama thing. We'd have to dress up because we would video it. Like, oh yeah, have sure. The camcorder out and video and us walking down the stairs or wherever, and then coming to the tree. Yeah. Um, and so it it typically it was early, but it wasn't like we us kids weren't just like mom and dad wake up. They were usually awake and then getting everything ready and then get dressed, make your bed brush your hair <laughs> so had to get camera ready yeah <laughs> wait wait till the sun came up to get a little of that nice diffused light through the windows right so yeah, look good. yeah yeah but us kids would be up you know i'd yeah. be up going like just waiting yeah just like, going nuts oh. yeah. <laughs> did you did you share rooms with your siblings so you had somebody else to go crazy with or did you just have to sit in solitude yeah yeah we usually shared like yeah. it, it was typically like us girls it was there was three of us girls and then um our older brother and so oh yeah the volleyball um, star yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and so we and a lot of times casey my brother he'd be the one that would like hey girl like he'd come in and he'd shake our beds and yeah. go earthquake <laughs> that was our thing in california yeah i was gonna say <laughs> that's that's it's a bit like shouting <laughs> fire in a crowded theater in california yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so he was actually i remember multiple times where he was the first one up and he was excited and we're yeah. like oh what oh, okay. <laughs> and he'd wake us up Earthquake. that's fun well that's what about your husband does he have similar traditions are you both discovering new things and kind of making a new uh, meld of the two the two sets of traditions or yeah kind of kind of mixing him um I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think. he's oh, a lizard no. scientist right yes he is cool job <laughs> yeah so he he, for a living, he takes care of lizards and uh, reptiles, snakes, um, um, some insects, um, invertebrates. I don't know all the names for them. I mean, <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get some Latin out of the and, old trunk amphibians, here. Amphibians, mm. amphibians, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and he likes to correct everybody on whenever there's like a TV show and someone says, "Oh, snakes are poisonous." He's like, "Ugh, they're venomous." <laughs> Actually, <laughs> if you bite something, then that's and it. Oh, the sick, distinction. It's poisonous. Yes, it, I it see. Bites you. Ah. It's so every time okay. somebody says something like that, I look at him. I just go. Whoa, and he's like, <laughs> so does is this a is this a the destination on his path was like long? Like was he like a dinosaur kid? You know, like was this bound oh, to yeah. happen? Oh yeah, he gotcha. would he would go out and um, like collect ants and had like mm. ant farms and then he would he would yeah I was always like curious about critters and bugs and then he um, he was kind of a, a quiet kid but then he liked he liked the reaction he says that um, he would if he'd have something crazy or funny you know some crazy yeah a scary animal. bug or snake yeah or in his hands yeah and he would get this cool reaction people would go oh cool and then he could like you know have conversation about oh yeah isn't this cool i'm cool a, a segue to con- and, yeah gotcha. yeah and he and he doesn't like he doesn't like to um to like scare people with it like hey look at this and see that's where i thought you were going i thought not. that that was the reaction he would enjoy as a child like be one of those oh, terrible no. ter- one of those terrible annoying kids who'd like run into the classroom with a snake and be like no. thrusting it in people's faces and stuff no because he he likes the critters and he wants people to like him so he's like i don't mm. like to do that because then it turns them off to it and then yeah. they're like oh 
blah. He's like, no, look how cool they are. Mm-hmm. You know, let's get rid of the stereotype. And so um, he's a good he's a good advocate mm-hmm. for... Uh, is that the word? <laughs> yeah, that's the word. Yeah. 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 He's... Yeah. For lesser loved creatures. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can relate to that. That's My dad wasn't a, a bug or, or lizard scientist by trade, but he definitely was passionate about it. And I, I know that uh-huh. they're, like the first time he asked my mom on a date, it was if she, he asked her if she wanted to go out to the desert looking for bugs. Uh- and she thought he was joking. So she was like all sarcastic <laughs> about it. And he was super dejected. And like it took oh. a while to get the courage to ask her out again and stuff. <laughs> oh my but like we've got pictures of me when I was a baby in our little apartment holding his tarantulas and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And he always had oh. pets and stuff and we'd go release salamanders into the wild and stuff. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah, he likes to go um um go out and see when the snakes come out. So there's like certain times of day or after rain or something like that where mm. you go herping, it's called and so Herping. Yeah. That's so a herping. silly word. <laughs> so herping so it's, it, it comes from herptology. Okay, that like makes sense, but I'm just reptiles. imagining like how much worse would it have been if my dad had asked my mom, You wanna go herping? Yeah, like, what the heck? Uh no thank you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um <laughs> so that's where you know He'll like to drive around, and then there'll be sometimes there'll be snakes out on the on yeah. the road. And then oh you yeah. See, so yeah. Has has he ever has he ever been around when the Mormon crickets do their circadian rhythm and and come out in Utah and cover the roads? I I don't think that's so. an experience. Uh, I think he's been up there that, yeah. that much. So wow. I, well, maybe someday. Yeah. <laughs> well, this of course is uh, the topic of the podcast today is your husband and bugs yes. and lizards. And so bugs. let's carry on. With <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> no, yeah, but, but but yeah, Christmassy stuff. Like, what about like dinner before? Is there anything that you're pulling in from your husband's side, or is it just you get to run the show at this point? No, uh, yeah, um, yeah. So we usually get together um, with his family. His family's all uh, mostly all still here in Arizona. Yeah, a bunch of Arizonians. And, yeah, they're like old pioneer, mm-hmm. um, pioneer stock, and so um, we usually get together for like Christmas Eve, kind of a Christmas Eve dinner thing, and um, I think. I think the last one that we had together before we moved, um, we did like Mexican food, which is like my favorite. Oh, awesome. Favorite. I would love so, to have that tradition. That Jeez. was good. I like that. Forget tradition. the ham. Yeah. Get some I tacos know. in there. That's about, that's <laughs> exactly. way better. So that's, yeah, that's pretty funny. Yeah. And, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's a connection. If you, if you ever need one to justify it, okay. the, the history is maybe kind of cloudy because not everything ever gets perfectly documented, but are you familiar yeah. with, with tacos al pastor? Yes, that's like my favorite. Like street tacos, right? They're, they're the best, yeah. right? So that, that phrase in Spanish, al pastor, is like um, of the shepherds, right? Like these are oh, like yeah, shepherd pastor. tacos. Yeah, pastoral. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Pastoral, yeah. So the, 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 the like um, hazy history of how tacos even got into Mexico is that it was, um, oh, now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank on the, the precise region in the eastern part of, in the eastern hemisphere, but there was an influx of immigration in, I couldn't tell you what century. Okay, this is hazy history given by a, a person who does not understand it. But I've launched into this, so I'm going to keep going. A long, long time ago, people from east of Mexico came to Mexico. Nice. And they brought with them this, this tip, this like standard way of just like cooking lamb meat, you know, sheep meat, and putting it into flatbread and eating that, right? It was a way for shepherds to eat food while they were out taking care of their flocks on, you know, for months on end. Yeah, travel food. Yeah, exactly. It's travel food. And, you know, not being able to find a lot of sheep in Mexico, it was more typical to start using uh, pork and um, and uh, and beef. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, that's the the hazy history of how tacos got in. So you want to make a Christmas connection, you know, to Mexican food. Yes. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> you can imagine when the when those angels announced the birth of the baby to the shepherds, <laughs> they were probably eating tacos oh, at the time. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, there you go. Justified. We should all be eating tacos on Christmas Eve. <laughs> this ham is an abomination. <laughs> awesome. That's a good story. Thanks for the story. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yes. Now, now maybe, and maybe we can save, maybe we can make a graceful save here by tying this over to uh, the weird history of mandolins, or the, I shouldn't say weird, the unexpected history of mandolins. When we talked before, Aaron, we talked about how you play mandolin. 
Uh-huh. And uh, and you were very kind recently to help me out with a, a little collaboration, uh, a, an arrangement. All right, so speaking of Christmas, my favorite Christmas episode last year was the one, because we did like six of them, just because uh-huh. I get excited about the holidays, um, was the one with with uh, Timothy Cummings. We were talking about his Christmas oh, yeah. collection. Oh, mm-hmm. Excuse me, just whacked my mic stand. Timothy Cummings has another collection called the Piper's Hymnal, in which he has this really old tune called Shalom, which can be played as a round. And I was like, oh, well, I, can, I only have one set of bagpipes. So I, I asked you, I was like, hey, do you want to do something with this? And you're like, yeah. So you busted out your mandolin, which you're very good at playing, and your oh. great big mandolin. Is it a bazooka? What do you, what do you call uh, this thing? It's, it's a citern. It's a citern. It's not yeah. a bazooki, but similar to a bazooki? Yeah. Is that so, what? yeah, you'd see that. So in um, a lot of like Irish and uh, Scottish folk, like trad music, mm-hmm. um, you'll see either bazookis um or sit turns mm-hmm. and i got turned on to sit turn after watching um uh ross ainsley mm-hmm. um he had there was a video online where i could see like up close i was like what is that i'm like wait that's not a bazooki that's not an octave mandolin like what is that there's there's 10 strings there's five courses not four mm-hmm. and so um but wait, was Ross playing it? it? He was being accompanied yeah. by one, right? He no, was playing, he was playing it? it. I yeah. didn't realize that Ross Ainsley played one. Yeah, he plays like, at, yeah, they all, like him and um, um, Allie Hudson, mm-hmm. they, they play all that. They time. just trade stuff around? Really good. Yeah. See, I've, just, I like, watch swap. some of their videos, but I also, I'm, I listen more than I watch. And so I've always just kind of assumed that like, you know, Ross is always going to be on the small pipes and, and you know, somebody's yeah. playing along with him. And so I guess most of the videos, if not all that I've seen, he's always on pipes. So I, I didn't even realize that they were just trading stuff. That's, that only makes their music even cooler. That's yeah. so, that's so awesome. Yeah. So I was like, what is that? And it was really cool. Cause it was really drone. It was really drone like. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I was like, Ooh, that sounds really cool. Um, for someone who's into so, piping that the drones yeah. are a draw. Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was into, I was playing. Um, I was playing pipes at the time that I discovered that because I was getting into, you know, I was looking, searching Ross Ainsley and, mm-hmm. um, I'm like, oh, this trad stuff where you have, um, uh, more, you know, pipes with stringed instruments and, um, I ran across that and I had a, I think, I think at the time I had got, I gotten a, um, octave mandolin and octave mandolins, if you play a mandolin, it's, you know, it's really small, mm-hmm. um, but it kind of needs to be small for for the um, just kind of how it's tuned and the scale and everything. Mm. It's kind of a stretch still. You know, you have to have a you know kind of a, a big stretch oh to sure scale. yeah. And so and so once you take that and blow it up, so it's unlike where guitar you don't have to go up to the seventh fret to get your octave, but mm-hmm. mandolin you do. So when you're playing. When you're playing the octave mandolin, it's like such a handful. It's like playing. It's like the difference between violin and cello. Where yeah, but you're still trying similar, to play the cello like yeah. a violin. Yeah, so you have to like shift just to play in mm. one. You have to play multiple positions just to play a single scale. You need you need Rachmaninoff so, hands for yeah. For, oh for my the gosh. <laughs> so, I mean, I have I have you know I'm a tall person, got long fingers, and I still was just like, oh my gosh, like I love playing this octave mandolin, but. Oh, it was just so uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh. And so I ended up my I ended up discovering the Citroen at that time, and I'm like, okay, I'm selling this and buying one of those mm-hmm. <laughs> instead. Mm-hmm. So just how it's tuned, um, it's a little bit um, a little bit more um, ergonomic for my hands. Um, yeah. And and so it's it's got the five courses. So like a like a like a banjo, I guess. What else um, has five? Yeah, but so, it's got ten strings, right? Yeah, so so courses wise, there's five courses because strings there's ten, but like each course has two strings, um, so they're doubled up. They're um, do they and do they play an octave apart each set of strings or are only, they actually they're they're double only the lowest bass note is oh. is a split, um, and um, uh, yeah, so and it's tuned odd. It's, it's tuned um one five one five one however you want it tuned so if it's like the one i have i got it made um to be in the key of g so then i can play g capo to a and so if i'm playing in uh, g it's g d g d g so very okay. open ringy um and um so like if we were going to imagine this like translate it to a bagpipe chanter it would be like if it was playing like uh lot or, or <laughs> like a e a E A yes. right just just yes. over it's like it, you just got a whole bunch of A's and E's every other one yeah. and then you're putting your fingers on to change the notes in between 
Yeah, and it's really, it's it's a fun instrument because you can kind of, you know, once you find the little scale, you can play a bunch of stuff and it just, you know, it, I don't know, it kind of makes me think of the mountain dulcimer. That's exactly what I was going to ask. Yeah. I was going to say, is it like a dulcimer in that whatever yeah. you do, it sounds nice? Yeah, <laughs> and so like you have, you have your chromatic scale with your, with your frets, but... Yeah. Because of the ringing, you're kind of limited to these notes, and but it makes you be really creative, and it just sounds really cool. Everything. So I've written more tunes on the Citern than any other instrument, mm. <laughs> which is. And which but is it, you odd. just picked like, it up very recently. Yeah, <laughs> but like, you've been playing uh, mandolin for such a long time. Yeah, and so, so you know, playing I, you know, grown up playing mandolin, guitar, and um, and fiddle, and all these other instruments, and so, you know, I was just like, okay, here's a fretted instrument, and here's my new scale, mm. and it was just so fun exploring with it, and, and writing pipe tunes, so a lot of the tunes I've written, I think, except for, like, one tune that does not work on pipes, it has uh, a couple notes, or, um, that it goes below the scale, but, um, most of the tunes, I'm like, oh, wait, I can write some pipe stuff, so, mm-hmm. um, so that's been really fun, and it's it's funner to write uh, pipe tunes on that because I'm better at playing that than the pipes. <laughs> so I'm trying sure, to learn how sure. to play on the pipes now. I'm like, oh, here's this cool song. I'm like, oh, it's it's kind of hard. <laughs> like, oh, like, <laughs> it's, uh, it, I'm not good enough. <laughs> Eric Evenhouse has told me that before. That like some of the tunes he writes, he's not really proficient at yeah. playing. He just but yeah. he writes them. Then he writes great tunes. Yeah. Just can't play all of them. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. Was, uh, like if I could send this to. Was it Lincoln? Oh, yeah, Lincoln he, Hilton. He, he could handle this, but I right. can't. But it's really cool. Like, yeah. I made it. Like, <laughs> yeah. So so do you think that... I, I've, I've thought about this before because I feel like... like I personally feel super drawn to the Clawhammer banjo. I love the mm-hmm. way that, that playing style sounds. And it's also yeah. super droney. And I've wondered, yeah. like, is there something in the DNA of a person that makes them like droney music? Or is it just that yeah. we get used to bagpipes first and therefore have this openness to droniness? Exactly. Well... You know, like, I know, as I've been looking into, like, the history of these instruments, mm-hmm. like the sittern, mandolin, and even, like, bagpipes, it seems like a lot of that older music just happens to be that. Maybe it's because the scale is limited, there's only a few, few strings or something like that. I don't mm-hmm. know, but, like, it seems like that older stuff has that. So it's, like, even before just, like, listening to Scottish bagpiping, I don't know. It's, like... You know, I, know. <laughs> I should, if I if I'd known, I'd have done a little research and figured out who it was. But I know that I've come across like a supposed quote, at least from like somebody significant in Roman history. I want to say Caesar, but you know, uh-huh. like of course I do, right? Probably wasn't yeah. Caesar. Um, who was it who did those? Who who was it who did those? Uh, the meditations. It was uh, was it Marcus Aurelius? Oh, I don't um, know. It was somebody anyway. So, yeah. so once again, let me just give you a, a real great history lesson here. Yeah, yeah. There was some <laughs> person <laughs> from a long time ago near the Mediterranean Sea uh, <laughs> who was uh, supposedly quoted as having said something about like how great it was to add an additional pipe. Right. Because like uh-huh. when they in the in these old like Roman documents, when they refer to pipe playing, sometimes you hear them talk about playing on the pipes and then separately uh-huh. talk about playing on the pipes with a bag. Right. Mm-hmm. And the idea was and somebody was talking about how what a great idea it was to add an additional pipe to the bag so that you never had to uh, deal with the unpleasantness of the music ceasing. So it was like uh-huh. like the it was like the pop uh-huh. culture of the time valued yeah. continuous nonstop sound from the musician. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was with the popular music at the time. And so I, I wonder, you know, was, is it just like, cause like I've tried playing bagpipes with other types of musicians uh-huh. and sometimes um, folks who are used to more standard modern Western music have a really hard time getting around the drone. You know, because it's like, yeah. how do I do a chord change if you're still playing this one note? And it's yeah. like, to some degree, you have to ignore it. You know, yeah. you just and, just do it anyway. <laughs> yeah. And then arranging. Like, I'm so used yeah. to like yeah. going, okay, and then you play a, you play a break and then I play a break. You yeah. Know, break, and then go, wait, wait, you have to keep going. Okay, wait. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I don't know, but I do wonder, like, I'm thinking like that style, whatever, you know, the bazooki stuff, the, mm-hmm. you know, the citron stuff, the maybe even like hurdy-gurdies and their predecessors yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and bagpipes altogether. Maybe they're all coming out of this tradition, maybe even pipe organ music. I don't know. Maybe it's all coming from this uh-huh. like preference for continuous sound. Like that was considered a, vir- considered a virtue. So it make, makes sense that the evolution of, of like 
uh, popular music goes to guitar, like electric guitars and amps and just, mm. you know, like, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, we don't want that. Sound, yeah. We right? don't want it to stop. Maybe, yeah. maybe there's something in human nature there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking like, also like, like chanting music as mm. well, like old, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's something, I don't know if, yeah, like Gregorian chant and yep. before that, it's just, I, I mean, yeah, there, there is the physical like response whenever I, you know, with bagpipes, you can just like it like resonates in your body. Mm-hmm. Like it does, sound. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, hmm. I don't know. It's it's just enchanting. It's just like maybe. I mean, it really is like the first time I really listened to a Peabrook. Mm-hmm. Um, was um, it was a Gordon Duncan. It was on one of his albums, and I can't remember which what it which one it was. Um, mix something, I'm sure. <laughs> mix something, but, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, something. you're probably right. Mix something of green something, I think it was. Yeah. Oh, was that it? Okay. <laughs> I'm just using the naming conventions for Gordon Duncan songs. Yes, yes. Anyway, so like, first I was like, okay, you know, um, I'll check it out. And at first it was a little confusing. I'm trying to like listen to it. So I'm like closing my eyes, trying to like follow it. And it was just like... It, like, got me into the zone. I was mm. just relaxed. And I know people talk about whether they hate or, or love P. Brooke. Yeah. And I feel like it's a it's it's almost like it's almost like medicinal. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's not just for, like, pleasure. It's actually, it's like, it's supposed to, I feel like it's supposed to take you somewhere. Mm. And if you're not into that, then it's it's not really. You got to be a willing participant, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it's just, like, it's it's enjoyed by kind of being in a meditative Mm -hmm. like calm state i don't know that for me that's how it is that makes sense have you ever watched whirling dervishes do their thing yes i I feel like that's the that's like the physical manifestation of how i feel when i if i can get if i can get into that zone either listening to pbrook or or even playing small pipes if it's just playing something simple where you can kind of like the sound can fill up the space that you're in you know you can kind of like just settle into it yeah. I feel like I've got a little whirling dervish inside my brain when that happens. <laughs> I love that. I got to see some um, Turkish dancers uh, when I was in Europe doing folk. Oh, yeah. Folk was that tour. was that with the... Oh, um, with the I, wanna, I, was gonna, I was about to say Michael McLean. That's not the right guy. Who's the... <laughs> Who's the guy um, at BYU, the folk guy uh, at BYU? Mark Gesslison. Yeah, Mark Gesslison. Is that, yeah, was that... Yeah. Were you with his group at the time? Yeah. So I was with the uh, International Folk Dance Ensemble, and we got a... We, in, in Europe, they have to have a live band. And so that's why back early in the day when BYU was doing their folk dance tours, they had to have live musicians, which mm. is so cool. Cause like, you need us. So we get to go travel with you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, um, we got to go over to, I think it was in Croatia that I got to mm. watch them. We were touring with like, um, a, a Chinese group, mm. a, a Turkish group, um, a couple of Portuguese groups. Um, those are the ones I remember the most. Mm-hmm. Um, Portugal, like the Portuguese group was cool because they had accordions and mandolins and bagpipes. So I was like, what the heck? This all is your, awesome. I had no All your idea. favorite stuff. <laughs> yeah, all my favorite things. Just... It's like the island of misfit instruments. Exactly. <laughs> throw, the, say, like... throw all this stuff in Portugal and then they're like, oh, we'll do something with this. Yeah, and here's a banjo. We need to introduce you to the right, banjo. Exactly. And then you're set. <laughs> but we got to see. I remember one, uh, at one point I was able to you know, because we'll be busy doing this and that and not always get to see the other acts. And so mm. um, for this, it was like our last last few shows. Um, I got to just come out and watch the Turkish group. And not only was this Turkish guitar, I'm not sure what it is. I need to look into that. But this Turkish guitar player was like crazy. It was so cool. Mm. And then the guys started dancing and it was, it was the coolest thing. Um, yeah, so that was awesome to be able to see in person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was something else I was thinking. Oh, well. Okay. Anyway, think think about it. I'll I'll play this. Yeah. Let's. I'll insert right here. I'll insert the track that we made. The the one that we oh, did. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. because after we'd played it, and well, after we'd kind of put it together, then you started telling me about the origins of the mandolin, and mm-hmm. you were like, "Oh, it's great that we've got mandolin and pipes playing together because like maybe they've played together before." And I was like, "What are yeah. you talking about?" Mm-hmm. 
What is that? What's what's going on there? Yeah, so so mandolin. Um, I I had a cool teacher. Um, well, I have had lots of cool teachers, but um, uh, when I studied classical mandolin, uh, my teacher Evan Marshall um, taught me a bunch about. Was Evan Marshall the guy who did Ave Maria like as if it was like three mandolins, but it was just him yes. playing the one? I yes, that video Evan. is ingrained in my brain. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. I'll put a link to that YouTube video in the in the show notes if anybody wants to see. It was really cool. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a, a virtuoso, totally. It was like amazing to be able to take lessons from him. I was like my mind was blown all the time. But um, but he was telling me kind of he got me into um, learning about mandolin history, and I have a classical mandolin history book that I bought. Like I have this book on my shelf. Nerd. <laughs> like, so, but. Um, but yeah, I was kind of like um, just re-looking over some stuff, and um, it looks like so it comes from uh, tracking, trying to track the genealogy back. Well, let me just say was, real quick, Aaron, if you're at all nervous about getting the history right, I've set the bar very, very low for yeah. you, so don't worry. No matter what, you're going to be call fine. It stories. There you go. It's stories, <laughs> not history. Yeah, gotcha. <laughs> so, um, so like there's. Uh, in the so I have like in 7th century AD there's like these folk lutes and so lutes are just kind of like sounds like a kind of a generic term for um, a, a chordophone so something that has strings and it has a, a body and it goes over a hole and you pluck it kind of just real generic so requirements like to get into the lute family are pretty low yeah like it's it's yeah it's more of like a category kind of thing gotcha um, and um and so there was, so we have um, Near East and like Egyptian um, versions of this that they call the oud. And actually in Arabic, the oud is, it means wood, I guess. Oh. And so it's like a wooden stringed thing. Gotcha. Um, and then um, it says it got from those kinds of instruments came to Venice um, through trade and like crusaders and all that stuff so that came from the eastern um to to europe mm -hmm. and then from there in venice and italy that's where it like it boomed and that's it, it evolved and we got um uh, the neapolitan mandolin mm. um, which is more like that's like kind of what we play now the tuning and everything um but it's interesting i didn't know it until just like yesterday, I was doing a little more research that um, there was an Italian, like the earlier mandolin before the Neapolitan mandolin was like the Mandor, the Mandola or not Mandola, Man, Mandorla. Mandalorian, Mandorla. I think is the way it's pronounced. <laughs> my, there's, my husband, this there's a cosplay like, opportunity. <laughs> my husband's like, uh, um, 
Actually, it was known that the Mandalorian played an ancient lute, and that's where it got its name. <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> so go. that was his history, actually. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this word, man, man, uh, mandorla, is actually almond in Italian, which makes sense because it's like Oh, it's almond like almond-shaped, shape. yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah makes I was sense. like, oh my gosh. Okay, yeah, I'm I finally it. know what it means. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so there's this, like, travel from... Um, east and even like it says like Egypt and you know coming up to Europe kind of like the bagpipes and the chanter and stuff like that so it's yeah. like it's this like interesting um, yeah it has this long lineage um, but uh, that's so exciting it makes me think of like like where like I get excited about sort of like bluegrassy folksy music mm-hmm. like very is, is Americana the right word I'm not sure there's, yeah, but yeah. like the 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 idea of a transatlantic crossing of music, not just of yes. people, gets me real excited, you know. And thinking yes. about like Appalachia and where, like, oh, this is European music, but it like becomes American music, and like how interesting yeah. that all is. I'm just thinking like, well, that's not the first time music has moved across the globe, you know. And so it's exciting yeah. to think about this like this other movement from uh, from the Eastern Hemisphere into Europe that yeah. happened long before that, you know. Yeah, and and um, with the citern, it's kind of a, cit- a similar thing, and I um, and I learned that citern is again more of a category, mm. um, and that kind of came across from like Greece, and I mean the the bazooki is also Greek, and that's played heavily in Ireland. As Easily well. the funnest of all of these instruments and- to say. I know. I don't like bazooka. What are you talking about? Some <laughs> firepower? Right. It's like that? a oh, it's a <laughs> no, this awesome late '80s action movie where Arnold Schwarzenegger had a bazooki. Yeah, <laughs> going to the airport. If they ask you what's in the say, some loot instrument, <laughs> yeah, don't say, say it's bazooki. a bazooki. <laughs> <laughs> um, Speaking yeah. of which, I don't know if anybody else will have had a similar experience, but I have traveled with my small pipes several times just for fun like like if i'm going on a work trip i'll take my small pipes and just just so i can play them in the hotel or something you know yeah uh, not in the hotel i did that once at a park near the hotel usually yeah. is what ends up happening but yeah. um i've never made it through airport security like it just looks too suspicious a bunch of sticks <laughs> yeah. i guess but i even had a bagpipe maker i bought plans for small pipes from him because i wanted to look at the uh-huh. dimensions and the plans got held up in shipping because, yeah. like, they thought it was like plans to make a pipe bomb or something. Bomb. Yeah, yeah. So we 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 play in a dangerous industry, friends. The between bagpipes and bazookies. <laughs> I I remember reading on some. I think it was the Bob Dunshire forum. Someone talking about practicing their their chanter, their practice chanter in their car, mm. and some cops like, "Hey, what do you got there? Thinking it's like some kind of bong." <laughs> it's or a something bong, like yeah. That. And he's like, "No, no, really. Like, here, I'll play you a song on it. <laughs> I swear, it's an instrument." <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what I, when we did the the shalom um, arrangement and recording. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, this will be pr- first of all." I I had this citern made because I want to play with like small pipes. Oh yeah, so it's like customed up, time. right? Yeah. So I had I I had a guy um, um, in Maine build it for me, and I got to pick all my woods. I finally got to like, oh, I want cherry, you know, a rosewood back and sides, which is, mm-hmm. and then a cedar top, which I think is like the perfect com- combination of warmth and. And was that oh. I, and see, like you're you're a luthier, so I don't I don't know. But is that is that yeah. largely um, cosmetic, or is it almost entirely because of how it sounds? So the wood, um, so for the you know the back and uh, the back and top are the most important, um, and those for yeah the rosewood is um, gives a lot of kick and volume. It's a little more rigid, hmm. um, and then the top. Usually you go like you see a lot of spruce, like mandolins have spruce tops. They're very bright, but I like cedar. It's bright, really bright and sound, right? Is what you're saying, right? Yes, I yeah, see. bright and sound, yeah. And um, yeah, af- after having um, worked at Cordoba building some classical guitars, my favorite guitar was the cedar top. Hmm. It was the Rodriguez, and it was just so nice and warm, and I like that dark. It kind of has a darkish sound to it, and so that mic that works perfectly. I want that again. It has that. I don't know what I'm recalling. It's like this this sound that I assume is this old human hmm. origin of music that mm-hmm, <laughs> I don't know mm-hmm. that I that I look for. But um 
yeah, so I was excited to put that with your small pipes. I'm like, okay, I gotta get the citron, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, doing a round, we need another voice. I was thinking, you know, we're thinking of adding actual voices, but I was yeah. like, oh wait, I got mandolin. I mean, it's like a, it's like a cousin to the uh-huh, citron. Uh-huh. It's just it's the same tone wise, like tonally, it's got the double string. It's got, oh, it's got that like eastern, twingy, um, plinkiness that's. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that just matches really well. And so, um, yeah, so put that in and I, I, I don't know. I, I really like, I really like the song if I say so myself. I wish that I knew more about it. Like, like Timothy does put like information about the tunes into his collections, which is part of what's so great about the collections. Let me just do another quick plug because they, they are a lot yeah. of fun because you can, you can basically, you can play music from these collections, but they're also fun just to read. Honestly, uh-huh. it's been a common experience for me to sit down with one of these collections and open it up and think I'm going to find a few new tunes. And I end up just reading for a half hour instead yeah. of playing music. But there's not a lot of info on this one. It just says it's it's called Shalom. It's it's this traditional tune from Israel-ish, probably. And that's, you know, that's kind of the way it is with a lot of folk tunes, of yeah. course. That's, yeah. Somebody found a rock that had notes written on the back of it or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew more about it, but it's a cool tune for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you... How did you? Okay, now I'm trying to find a good transition here. Um, yeah. <laughs> pre pre bagpipes or in, when I when I met you because of bagpipes, you were playing with Molly in the Mineshaft. Yeah. Speaking of Mark Gesslison, his yes. daughter had previously played with Molly in the Mineshaft, mm-hmm. and I was all excited because Mark Gesslison was already kind of a, a hero of mine, uh, though I think it made him very uncomfortable when I expressed my feelings oh, yeah. uh, candidly. Um, <laughs> and I never saw him again, but that's maybe not the reason why. <laughs> but, uh, but so you were playing Molly in the Mineshaft, a very cool local, uh, am, I being, am, I being, am I boxing him in too much to say it's a folk music group? I mean, that's, that's, is that fair? That's okay? No, yeah, I'd say folk and then mixed with like, I'm not sure how, if you'd say progressive because it was like, or contemporary because mm-hmm. it was uh, it was more of like 50 50 mix and then cause sure. we would do we would do um a cape breton tune and then yeah. we go into a lady gaga tune so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was kind of it was kind of like okay we're gonna lure you in with this thing that you know is a pop tune uh-huh. and then all of a sudden we're gonna bust into this like super cool fiddle tune mm-hmm. that you know is from cape breton and they go oh this is cool and so it's kind of a um we liked it because it was like a good audience mix. Yeah. Um, so we get young and more mature crowds that mm-hmm. would like it. Um, but yeah, we we had uh, yeah lots of fun. Um, yeah, it was a good band. So <laughs> very cool band. Lots of lots of great music. In fact, organically, the other day I was listening to. Um, I really like that song. Uh, Hard times come again no more. Oh yeah. And I was listening to it. I was just listening. I just had searched it in Prime Music and was just listening. And Molly and the Mineshaft's version came up as like one of the top three. And <gasps> it's a really good version. I really like yeah. it. That rumbling accordion in there and stuff. It's great uh-huh. stuff. Oh yeah, that was awesome. We had we had worked on that. I think they recorded that after after I'd left because we it was one that we were always like, oh, we want to we want to do it so bad. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm. like it was kind of a heavy arrangement. We had to come up with you know the strings and all yeah. the different parts and um that was yeah that's a beautiful i think it's kind of based off of the um i think james taylor yes he does that with he did with yo-yo ma, ma yeah and yeah. mark uh mark o'connor mm-hmm. yeah that's a beautiful yeah yeah well so molly in the mineshaft does this christmas concert often locally free mm-hmm. everybody gets in there gets super packed fire code violation for sure yeah and um <laughs> and you They'd already been doing it, but at some point a few years ago, I was I was all excited and lucky because you were like, hey, we need a piper for this one song because you had this uh-huh. arrangement of Wexford Carol that included pipes. Yeah. And that was so fun for me. My goodness. I'll tell you what. I, and and, and I, I still am like, it was this tiny little thing, but it was so much fun. It still gets me buzzing. That uh-huh. then, So then you put together a Christmas album based off of your, your set list for that concert, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And I got yeah, to come was, and record with you. This was pretty cool yeah, for that me. Yeah, was so fun. Very I love it. We were, we were trying to come up with, with tunes, and um, and we were going through, and we we're like, oh, yeah, Wixford Carol. I'm like, and, and I'm trying to remember where, because I was, I was trying to pitch bagpipe kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, here, we could put a bagpipe in here somewhere. And I um, can't remember how exactly how it, how it came about, but um, uh, 
but yeah, we got, we're able to get, I was able to get a tune mm-hmm. that had bagpipes in it that we would play because I was a super fan and they're, they were kind of like, bagpipes Aaron like what are you doing like, yeah. <laughs> like trust me guys go along with me on this yeah exactly. <laughs> give me this one thing because <laughs> it was it was between Wexford Carroll and actually a tune that I, as I was listening to the Timothy Cummings um, episode he talks about um it's the um I can't remember now it's like the lullaby it's like a was it child lullaby or some uh, I'm trying to think of it was it Balu um, Lammy or um um, he's got he's got so many German and, and like Latin yeah, titles in there that yeah. I have a hard time remembering what the first line title is, you know, in English. Yeah. Um, uh, well, there's a there's a there's a plug for the old episode. I'm <laughs> yeah, not sure. Maybe yeah, I'll maybe I'll republish those episodes into you know leading up to this one. Uh-huh. If not, though, definitely worth checking out. It would have been near Christmas last year in the yeah, back catalog. And so so as I was listening to them, like, oh, that was that tune I found. Mm. I was just like on YouTube, kind of looking up stuff, and I found. Um, I found that that mm-hmm. one uh, unknown name too, yeah. <laughs> and it had it had lyrics, um, it had it in like Gaelic and in English, and then it had pipes. And I was like, oh, this is so cool! But I think it was a little too out there for mm-hmm, Molly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, uh, it was beautiful. But I think I think Wexford was that like that familiarity. We needed some little familiarity, yeah, um, and we're able to put pipes in, and and they're like, okay, we're like. Aaron, you can play pipes. I'm like, uh, uh-uh. uh. <laughs> I know someone who can though. Yeah, I was, I Which, was not it, into. <laughs> if I remember, right, you you had somebody from up at Wasatch come and play it a year or two, right? And then I got to step in and play it once or twice. Then I had a face surgery, and so I couldn't play a year. And I think d- yeah. didn't you end up playing it eventually? I yeah, I I played the one that you you're like, oh, I can't do it. Because my face was wired shut. (laughs) Your face was wired shut. Well, my mouth can't open. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we had you record, and so that's on the album. And then um, the concert came up, and um, I'm I'm sure I tried to have other people do it because I hadn't had a lot of experience playing solo Mm -hmm. and in 440. Yeah, that's true being steady because i was you know i was still a, a youngin on the pipes i mean still today you well aren't we all aren't we all <laughs> you know um, all of us except but, ross ainsley we're all youngins yeah. but i was so nervous oh my gosh that was so nerve-wracking but was it like, super oh, cool to like put down your mandolin and pick up your pipes and be like it was have the audience of, be was, like what's she doing yeah it was kind of I, oh, you know you always that's that's why you play bagpipes, right? So exactly. That is why. Go, yep. What the heck? Yep. Like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that is the main reason. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fun, and I was I was glad that the performance went well. You know, it it went pretty well. Uh, you know, with how how I how well I could do it, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, I was worried because like the the practice before something was off, and I was like losing air mm. and i was really having a hard time the band was like uh aaron um are you gonna be ready for this like, yeah, oh, yes, I am. <laughs> I was, I was so everybody nervous. else is getting a little I worried was, about you <laughs> i was dying during the, the performance because i have to come in i have to strike in play because because in the tune um the bagpipes will play the a part and then the b part the bagpipes are out because of the, it's not like there's some notes in there that just right. I'm trying to remember. Did we? Do you have to tape down the F and the C, or just the C, or cross um, finger it? You know, like I, one of those was I non-standard. I, I think I just taped down the C. Is it just the C? I think. Yeah. That's the one. That's that the one. that's the that's yeah. the tangy one. So I just played. We just played the A part, and so I had a strike in mm-hmm. play, and then come out and then the band would play the b part and then i do it again so mm-hmm. not only did i have to play but i had to strike in mm-hmm. and cut off multiple times which is the most nerve-wracking yeah. part of playing the <laughs> did you so. did you try cutting out just the chanter and keeping your drones going or did you cut everything out no and then bring it all back i would have done that now i have more control to be able to do that now oh but sure like back it, then I was just it was like, just oh, easier just just all on or all off yeah i exactly. see yeah <laughs> Well, it's yeah. one of my favorite Christmas albums, and I think it would be even if I didn't, you know, know and love a bunch of the people who are playing on it. But like, one of my favorite things about the album is that it opens with 
a tune from The Muppet Christmas Carol, which is the best yeah. Christmas movie that's ever been made. And it's in a medley with leather yeah. breeches, which is like, how could this be? It could not be yeah. more perfect. This is yeah. really great. So I'll definitely link to the album down below. Everybody should definitely check this one out. I know oh, that yeah. your rendition of Still, Still, Still on that album is one of the most popular ones on the internet. Oh, yeah. That one, yeah. So this this album, again, is my favorite as well. We had a lot of... Um, um, arrangements um by our band members so jordan did the muppet thing he was heading the the christmas um, mm-hmm. one more sleep till christmas um and then um uh bah, 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 bah. and then we have let's see oh alex did the he did a version of um Oh, in the bleak midwinter. Oh yeah, gorgeous. Yeah. Love that oh one. my gosh! So he changed the melody on it, and it made me listen to the words more. I'm like, oh my gosh, these words are so pretty. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And then Scott Monson, I think he arranged "Still, Still, Still," mm-hmm. and it was like full on. I mean, he does, um, he does like music score and everything. Or, yeah, you know, Scott is like he plays a lot of cajon with he did with with uh, Molly and he does now with Grizzly Goat as well, but it's like yeah. he I, I I don't want this to sound um uh negative in any way cuz like I play cajon sometimes, you know, so I'm not I'm not uh-huh. yeah. bagging on cajon players, but you know, sometimes it's like the cajon is played by the person who doesn't like read music, yeah, you know. Yeah, Scott like, is oh. not that guy. <laughs> he yeah. like, he oh, knows music he can stuff. Play beats and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he is like the most like music theory knowledgeable right and right so he had this you know the arrangement for still 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 and he handed it to me i'm like oh great i gotta like i gotta play exactly what you know i usually put your just, glasses like, on right <laughs> so yeah. now i'm like oh shoot so recording studio i was all stressed out i'm like i can't miss a note yeah. okay okay <laughs> well it's yeah, got that's... so much good music on the album and a lo- it feels like a lot of them are like would would appeal especially to pipe the piping crowd because you got the parting glass and old lang syne and other stuff on there oh too. yeah parting glass i oh, would love that one yeah. yeah yeah now and speaking of scott one thing that i love about this because like d- r- tell me if i'm wrong if i'm wrong about this but uh, um in wexford carol it's grace that's singing right yes and you hear scott playing piano and those two got married yeah oh. <laughs> i know i'm so happy <laughs> yes <laughs> so let's let's play let's play it here we'll we'll insert yeah. the audio for wexford carol here good people
<laughs> so what do you do you have any uh fun info for me about uh wexford carol like the song itself yes. yeah so um looking it up um i didn't know that it's like one of the oldest carols um from like in ireland and and europe um i did not know that um and let's see uh, is wexford a place in ireland yeah, so the Wexford um, is county, um, Wexford uh, County, Wexford, and um, it's also known. Another known its name, it's known for known its name for, <laughs> is um, Inniscorthy Carol, which is within. I guess it's like a town within Wexford. Okay, Inniscorthy um, sounds very Irish. I see. Yeah, Inniscorthy, <laughs> <laughs> and um, so it was like a twelfth century tune that. They had, I guess, two guys have, um, were known for transcribing it, and they're not sure exactly, like... Oh, were they, like, some of those tune collectors that were, like, traveling around the British Isles for a while? Yeah. Yeah, so there's one guy who was, um, who was an organist and, like, a music director for Mm -hmm. Cathedral, um, and I think it's, uh, Flood was his name. And so he had collected that, and then it got published in like the 20s, 1920. Hmm. But then there's another guy as a bishop um, and he had uh, a, he had put together uh, like a collection of tunes and that was like in the 1600s. And so hmm. I'm not sure, I'm guessing the bishop guy found it first, right? Yeah, he was, he <laughs> but, was first, first but, to the treasure. <laughs> but, and he has, oh, his, his collection was like the Kilmore Carols. Um, but those were the two... Um, I guess most popular um, collected uh, those are those are kind of our, our modern or, sources, as it were. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so, but, but they were transcribing it; they weren't writing it. So it was like yeah, it was so like folk music around there exactly, already. Exactly, which I is see. cool. It's like somebody just sang it to them. I think. It's oh so cool. yeah, so the, yeah, I've always, I've always been fascinated by that. These people who would like go around, and I assume just like go out to the you know the the women working in the fields in yeah. the outer Hebrides or something, and be yeah. like, sing me your songs, and they just sit there <laughs> yes. and like write them as they sing them in a notebook, you know? Yeah. Oh, here's the cool. So, um, uh, there's a movie. So I guess the the study would be um, ethnomusicology. Mm-hmm. I think is that um, I took a class at BYU um, about. The teacher was an ethnomusicologist, I guess. Okay, so so now when when your when your husband starts pulling out those big those big yeah. biology terms, you'd be like, I've got well, big words too. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, but um, but another little tidbit. So if you have seen, there's a Disney movie, an old Disney movie with. Um, uh, oh, I can't remember her name. Oh gosh, she's on. Um, uh, parent Trap, the old Parent Trap. Oh, okay, yep. Um, Haley, Haley Mills. Haley Mills, that's her name. Um, there's a movie, another Disney movie with Haley Mills, a little older, and it's called Moon Spinners. Moon Spinners. And, and they're in Greece, and it's her, and she's the niece of this lady who's an ethnomusicologist, and she's recording these ladies sitting, singing this these Greek folk tunes and so in the movie you're watching her and she's got a little recording device and she's recording them singing and it's just huh. it's just like romantic adventure yeah um, thriller kind of movie it's really it's actually pretty fun um but in there she's recording these folk people you know these towns people singing these folk tunes so anyways huh. i'm, I'm wikipediaing it right now yeah moon spinners and i think it might be on disney plus or something um but I like that movie. It's cool. And, and, and the, it's in Greek. In and Greece. does Wexford Carol comes up comes up come up in it? No, it doesn't. Oh, I see. It's just the, the music collection thing. I see. That's the, the connection. Okay, thing. okay. So if you want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and there are lizards in the movie too, so it yeah, all ties I'm together. Sure. They ate Mexican food when they went on a date. <laughs> this is this episode will be Adventures in um, I don't know. In random thought. Right. Yeah. That's kind of the that's kind of the modus operandi around here, anyway. So. And you'll never know. Here's the thing. You'll never know what we're gonna say, so you you can't miss it. You that's right. You gotta listen to it because you. If you want to know, know what happens in this episode, you'll just have exactly. to listen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, what about now with Wexford Carroll? Do you remember? When, is there is there 
do you remember the first time you heard it or is there a version of it that in your mind is like the definitive version like this is uh, the original at least in your personal experience you know what i mean yeah i'm trying to think if i had heard um i think maybe the first like arrangement of it that was like a cool arrangement was i think didn't allison Krauss? do this one i feel like um probably because like christmas music I, was a big thing right maybe i think he did she did and it's probably with yo-yo ma yo-yo ma plays with everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um i think that was the first like arrangement that was like wow that's really really pretty mm-hmm. and kind of kind of going that drone factor i think probably sure uh, yeah but before that i'd heard it um i'd heard it probably on um you know guitar we had growing up we had this Christmas guitar CD that we play every Christmas when we go down and open our presents, which I love. Oh, that's like, fun. That CD. I need to like refine it again. But um, I'd heard it just instrumentally, but not with the words until oh, yeah. until later. But huh. I always love this this tune and like in the bleak midwinter. Yeah. Um. Just yeah. Some of my favorite like Christmas tunes that you don't hear often, more obscure, but hmm. uh, just really beautiful. Yeah. I I feel like personally like Christmas music is in well a lot of kind of what I guess you could call more traditional Christmas music is kind of really new to me. Um, my wife and I laugh about it all the time that like for her Christmas music is your very typical like sort of Bing Crosby kind of stuff. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was weird. Maybe it's that maybe it's not fair for me to say weird, but I didn't know it was like anything other than standard. That for me growing up, um, Motown was the sound of Christmas. Oh really? Because like my dad just really liked those Motown Christmas albums, and I thought I, like I've never. I don't think I've. Well, I guess you better watch. Uh, sure, Jackson watch Five did. Right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Jackson That's Five. Is, probably... James Brown though also did some Christmassy stuff. Um and uh, and uh, well, just a bunch of the Motown folks did some Christmassy stuff and that's just like yeah in my head that's what Christmas sounds like and so it's uh-huh. only been in adulthood that I've like been able to like dive into like choral yeah, stuff and yeah. I, I mean you know there was some of that too when I was a kid but uh, yeah a lot of this sort of like maybe like older uh, Western European kind of stuff is is uh, really exciting for me in, in that it's kind of new to me you know so it's been yeah. a lot of fun to dig through it that's fun <laughs> Well, uh, Aaron, I've been keeping you for about an hour now. Is, is your is your sweet baby uh, in need or? Uh, oh, oh, Daryl went off to to get her from her nap. So did I'm, he did I'm he take her outside to, to to find some <laughs> some snakes on the road or something? Yeah, you know we should do that today. <laughs> yeah, he actually he went uh, out driving yesterday and um, uh, ran across a, a rattlesnake. He didn't Ooh. run it over, but he got out and pulled it off from the road. He so, got out and touched it? Yeah. Well, he didn't touch it. He's very he's very safety conscious. He probably took a stick or something like that. Well, he better he's, be. He's, he's not gonna... one of those He's not one of those like Bear Grylls guys that will yeah. just go, hey, look how dangerous this thing is. <laughs> I'm going to eat it. I'm going to do something crazy. <laughs> yeah. He's like, they're idiots. Like, <laughs> like, oh, no. Don't bother. So he probably just got a stick and kind of nudged it off so no one would run over it. Yeah. Like, I see. So. Now, now, speaking of venomous versus poisonous, are rattlesnakes, yeah. uh, since rattlesnakes are venomous, does that mean they're, are they not poisonous? Could I eat a rattlesnake? Uh, you could probably eat, probably not where the gland, you know, it's like Avoid the it's head. venom glands are yeah. and stuff, but I'm sure you, I mean, I don't know how tasty that would be, but. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> hey. if I wanted to open myself up to some liability lawsuits, then uh, it's, it's by telling people on the listening to the podcast, it's safe to eat there rattlesnakes. <laughs> well, we have a recording, James. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> <I> Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to make sure, so like I said, I'll make sure that there's links to that album down below. And what else, Aaron, I just, I want to get, maybe maybe this is kind of our, our, our closing note here. I want to know, mm-hmm. what are your favorite Christmas albums? Like if you were to give somebody a recommendation, check these ones out. Oh. Give me some recommendations if you would. Yes. Okay. So um, I'm not sure if uh, Amy Grant has more than two, but I ha- we had two of her Christmas albums that I love. So Amy Grant Christmas is awesome. I think she also, in one of the tunes, um, she has this awesome, like, orchestral arrangement of Yesu Man, um, Yesu... Oh, um, uh, Joy of Man's Desiring, that one? Joy of Man's Desiring, yes, yes. And it has Mark O'Connor in it, and it's just instrumental. And so you would think it's just me singing tunes, but she does, like, it's 
legit awesome album. So mm-hmm. um, she has two that I, I'm not sure what they're called, but um, any Amy Grant Christmas. Um, and let me think, other than Amy Grant, um, well, the Muppet Christmas album with John Denver is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that is so, a good one. I do like that one. That one's, that one's pretty awesome. John Denver's awesome. Don't let me break um, your concentration here, Aaron, but <laughs> along the exact same lines of everything that makes that album great, just a couple years ago, my wife introduced me to the Lamb Chop Christmas special. Do you remember oh, Lamb Chop? Yes, yes. They they did like a like a, a run through of the Nutcracker Suite, but with Lamb oh. Chop like narrating the story. Well, it's it's the lady. I can't remember what the lady's name was, but she's like yeah, it's like she's telling lady. Lamb Chop the story for like a bedtime story. So they have the <laughs> Nutcracker music, but it's like it's a great audio experience oh for very gosh. similar reasons. So let me just plug <laughs> that awesome. one real quick, and then yeah, go there ahead. Go. Tell, give me give me some more. What else is good for Christmas? <laughs> um. And that one obscure guitar Christmas album, which I will have to find. It's really Tell you gross. what, when you if you can find it, just send it to me and I'll put it in the in the show notes. Oh yeah, it's, I'll put a link to it. <laughs> so yeah, I think those are, those are the ones that that pop in my mind mm-hmm. as like full mm-hmm. albums that I love listening to. Awesome. Yeah. There you go. Well, cool. Um, I think that that that's probably gonna make a decent episode. Yeah. I'll just have it kind of. <laughs> A bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's just what it's